0: Welcome to the Mixmasters Podcast, a program created by me, Steve Litcher, live sound engineer for the band Stitched Up Heart. I created this podcast during the COVID pandemic as a means to keep in contact with my friends and mentors from the live sound industry. Touring with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet some really incredible people, and I wanted to introduce you to their stories. So whether you're an experienced engineer, a hobbyist, or someone who's just wondered what goes into mixing a live music show, this podcast is for you. I've got to thank my friend Merrick Goodwin for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's an incredible musician and composer. Give him a shout on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin, or on Instagram at Doubt the Trust. Thanks again for joining me. Now let's bring up the faders and start the podcast. My guest for today's episode is Sean McLaughlin. Sean is a local legend who has mixed and worked countless shows, festivals, corporate events, and more. Here in Wisconsin, we have live music nearly every day of the week, most of it indoors during the colder months, of course, and Sean can be found behind a console more often than not. In addition to being a talented and skillful mix engineer, Sean works for Audio Biz, a regional audio equipment distributor, and he's our go-to guy for anything related to Allen & Heath, Link Products, QSC, Shure, and other top quality brands. Sean has spent several of his lunch hours helping me understand the ins and outs of my first DLive system, and most recently stopped by my home to help with some Dante routing questions. He regularly goes above and beyond to help people in our industry, which is why I'm pleased to have him as a guest for this episode. Please sit back and enjoy this local edition of Mixmasters Masters with Sean McLaughlin. Hey, Sean, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. How have you been?
1: I've been uh, great getting uh little stir crazy wanting to get out, uh, get out and about and see people. But you know, overall, not too bad from the bunker of my basement.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've got to, um, I'll talk a little bit about your setup here in a minute, but it is, it is wildly ironic that the majority of my guests are located all around the country. Um, had getting somebody from New Zealand on the podcast and then you're about 10 miles or less from me and we're still (laughs) (laughs) can't meet in person. Yep.
1: Unfortunately we can't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then because this is audio only, I'm going to try to describe Sean's uh, basement rig that he's got going. So for those not familiar, Sean works for a company called Audio Biz, and I actually met Sean when I bought my DLive system. uh, The first time around, I'm actually on my second DLive system, and uh, Sean represents uh, Allen and Heath, Sure, Blizzard, um, and several other brands, Link, uh, others that I'm forgetting, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But Your uh, your basement setup there is pretty amazing. I see a MacBook Pro. Uh, You've got three cameras that you're using for different perspectives. You've got a video switcher, (laughs) uh, a nice uh, desktop Shure uh, fifty-five. Just do my. I I know we're going to talk audio, but just walk me through this setup real quick because it's pretty impressive for
1: especially being in your basement. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because we're doing obviously a lot of demos and, and trying to get out to people virtually so yeah I've got a a little black magic 10 mini that's set up as my my switcher so that's feeding into zoom or go to meeting or what you know whatever anyone wants to use so I've got a couple different perspectives so if I'm standing and training or if I'm sitting um, I'll get cameras on me and then I also have a an overhead shot uh, so I can actually zoom in on consoles and um, then computer inputs for showing kind of some of the audio and uh, my 5575 or my Axiant rig is actually going into a sound devices mix pre uh, that's dealing with all of the uh, audio aspect and mixing those down and then that's feeding into the the ATEM. So it's a, it's a pretty slick little rig. It's, it's set up well for us to be able to do um, streaming presentations. We had actually done one with uh, TC Furlong right before the, states got locked down but we did an Avantis stream that was supposed to be a live event and we're like hey let's let's make it a stream so it's kind of fun
0: yeah no it's impressive you got some studio lighting it looks like and a
1: nice backdrop and yeah i'm I'm wildly jealous (laughs) it's amazing what you can do on amazon and in a short amount of time so (laughs)
0: yeah um so before we get going too far, do you think you'll be doing a lot more of that stuff from home then, even after orders are lifted? Are you finding it's working well?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, we've had a lot of talks about this, of how it's going to change the uh, the face of repping. I mean, obviously, you know, like we cover Wisconsin and, and Northern Illinois, so a lot of times I'm driving down to Joliet or things like that, you know, so it's three hours of windshield time for me to get to a customer to show them a demo. So we're kind of looking at, you know, how we can do things a little bit more efficiently or when new products come out, we might do a stream that everyone can watch. And then if people are really interested, you know, kind of do something live in person because there's always something to be said of shaking hands and talking to somebody face to face versus the, uh, the interwebs.
0: Yeah. There is that personal aspect that that you miss through streaming but man it is it is getting good and yours is probably the best i've seen uh maybe robert scoville beats you but he's got you know a, a full <laughs> at a six he's, got, he's got a little a little bit bigger uh, budget there <laughs> yeah exactly no well done uh i i really like it when you do the overhead shot of your uh, 1500 I, w- I was like that's insane
1: I had a, a demo earlier today that was a customer that's looking at a 5,000, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to drag an S5,000 down, down to my basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll bring a 1,500 in. It's a little bit easier. So. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, okay. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I know you. Uh, I've worked with you for a couple of years, but I don't know a lot about you. Um, I know you're a car guy. I know you're a tech freak. You're an Apple guy uh, to the core, pardon the pun. but uh what about musically how did you what you're uh you're a fixture in the madison area and you know the midwest when it comes to mixing sound and and um system teching and whatnot but what how'd you get started in in this industry were you a musician tell us a little bit about yourself
1: no i'm i'm kind of the odd one in that i am not a musician um i own a bass guitar so i guess that could make me a bass player but um it was going to take lessons never got around to it. But, um, I actually got into it when I was, uh, about the age of 15, um, at church, I didn't want to pay attention. And I was like, Hey, what's all this stuff in the back corner. So, um, I actually learned at a pretty young age, um, and then got involved at school doing theater and things like that. So, um, and doing just audio tech stuff for my school for, you know, assemblies and things like that. It was kind of fun. Cause I got to learn and play around with the stuff, but, uh, also got me a get out of jail free card because the the vice principal was the one who managed all of the AV people. So it was kind of cool. I could skip some classes and, you know, go work on audio stuff for the assembly. But, um, yeah, really just kind of stuck, you know, and, you know, after that, I actually, you know, um, was mixing bands and stuff and then went to go work for full compass and kind of fell out of mixing for a while and, and got back into it. Um, I don't know, probably ten years ago now. Um, actually, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Um, with a friend of mine, Lonia, uh, who owns Red Square Audio in Madison here, and um, you know, he's like, "Hey, I could use some help." So, I kind of got back into to mixing and was like, you know, r- realized you know I had really missed it a lot. You know, I was selling the gear, but um, you know, there's something to be said about using the gear and being able to sell it and talk about what's good what's bad what you don't like you know how it behaves in the field you know I think that's that's helped me
0: <laughs> yeah when you um so people may not also be aware but you and I live in the Madison Wisconsin area and full compass uh is also based out of the Madison Wisconsin area I think I've probably paid for half of their new building with all of the stuff I bought <laughs> over the last couple of years
1: what was your role uh when you were at full compass what were you doing over there I actually, uh, started in sales and was in sales all the, the the whole time, but, um, originally started in their, their wholesale division, selling to like other contractors and smaller companies that were, were buying stuff and did a lot of different things over the years, including all their trade show stuff. So I was building trade show sets or not sets, but, you know, displays and dealing with all the technical aspect of that. And, it was, it was a fun job. It was, it was fun to wear a lot of different, a lot of different hats. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And then um, you mentioned that you got into mixing and everything through church in your school. And then uh, when did you really start mixing a lot of live bands and festivals um, real heavily?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say before I started working at full compass, I had gotten into doing, you know, a lot of that, but it was more, kind of smaller bands and things like that. And then I was also doing a lot of theatrical, uh, getting involved with, you know, some of the local community theaters and doing sound design and things like that. Um, And then really heavily into a lot of the bands and festival stuff. Yeah, about that 10-year mark when I kind of got back into it and really really dove into it and, and got out there. So doing a lot of local bands, a lot of big festivals in the Madison area. So getting Need to deal with some national and international acts coming in so it's it's been fun yeah i feel like i'm doing a commercial for madison but uh, (laughs) yeah no kidding
0: (laughs) um we are very fortunate we we don't have a very long summer season but we pack a lot of music uh and festivals into that short window so um i think they've just started announcing a lot of the cancellations and it's a bummer um, because a lot of the festivals do draw you know national international acts um, just about every weekend, I'd say you can throw a rock and, and hit a, a festival somewhere in our
1: area. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, uh, we'll put it, uh, put it lightly. It's a bummer that, uh, all of this stuff is going on. Yeah. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that changes the scape of, of music and concerts and everything. So,
0: yeah. Do you, um, I'm really getting off a topic here, but I was watching, uh, Robert <laughs> Scoville speaking of him, you know, earlier he's under the impression that going forward after we get out of the pandemic that we're going to see a lot more demand for streaming from events. Do you have any opinions on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, even, I've been exploring that, you know, even before all of this happened, you know, of more people wanting to to have a further reach, you know, to their audience, um, you know, whether it's a big national act or, or not. Um again kind of going back to that meeting in person you know there's something lost in translation of the stream you know you you don't you know with the audio especially at a concert it's you you feel it you know there is the energy of all the people there's the the energy of the pa and you know big boys and their toys kind of thing you know um but i i mean i think it'll definitely play a part you know in that cuz i think some people are going to be anxious of getting back into going to shows or, you know, do I want to go hang out with my 50,000 closest friends, you know, at a, at a big arena show, you know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it'll come back. But yeah, I I think that's going to be definitely more of a, more of a part. And, you know, as a, as a tech, you know, that's going to be getting into different, you know, philosophies on how you're mixing and and what, what you're mixing to. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the, everything starts to <laughs> unfold.
0: Yeah. It was weird. Um, I I really hate talking about myself on the podcast. Uh, but when I was on tour last fall with Stish Up Heart, we played at this venue in I think it was in Vermont, and it was called Common Ground or something. But they had a band. They had two different performance halls in this venue, so we were in one hall, and then a band called Disco Biscuit, I think, was in another band, and they're sort of like a jam band, like Fish. Yeah. And so after our, our show finished, they started up and we, we were able to, you know, walk over and check everything out. They had all these video cameras, you know, like impressive, like like boom arms and jibs and everything like that running. There wasn't a video screen in the venue and I, and I was just completely perplexed. And then we found out that they were streaming the concert and they have, you know, thousands of people watching every single show that they do. They watch it from a stream and that was, you know, last fall, <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it seems like you know a lot of the the jam bands, you know the the fishes and stuff like that, have always kind of pushed, um, you know, the experience from streaming to you know live recordings that are available after every show and things like that. So it's that's kind of cool to to yeah. see that they're pushing the envelope into streaming. You know, yeah,
0: that place was amazing. They had this awesome Adamson uh, line array rig that sounded so great, and I was just like. I felt bad for anybody that was streaming it because it was was probably good, but not as great as being there.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, Okay. So you you were working with full compass, you were dealing with sales and at the wholesale level, how did you get, make the transition over to audio biz? And can you talk a little bit about what you do with audio biz?
1: Yeah. So just kind of wanted to expand and get into a little bit different aspects. So Audio Biz is a, a a manufacturer's rep firm, you know, uh, independent manufacturer's rep. So, um, we're hired by the companies, so Sure and Allen and Heath and QSC and Link and all the other ones that we represent, uh, to be kind of their outside sales force um, in a specific region. So, you know, our region is pretty much most of Wisconsin and and then the northern half of Illinois, i.e., Chicago. <laughs> um, so you know we do a lot of demos going out with you know all different types of customers whether it's contractors that are installing the stuff to production companies and rental companies and also interfacing a lot with end users you know that might be looking at gear you know um like the customers that i was on today it was a school uh that was looking at a you know an s5000 and they wanted to get an overview of it so um Uh, you know, doing a lot of those meetings and things like that. I want to go to that school if they have an S5,000. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and I know you go to a lot of trade shows and, and as you mentioned, you rep a lot of the brands like, uh, sure. And Allen and Heath, are you seeing any changes, um, as a manufacturer's rep due to the pandemic? Are you seeing anything changing?
1: yeah i mean even just looking at the you know the the marketplace right now a lot of it you know audio or good audio i guess is is playing a huge uh play uh, like a huge aspect of the market i guess i would say you know so there, you know instantly everyone's like oh crap we need to get you know everything set up to do everything remotely so there's been a lot of investment on a lot of video equipment but also a lot of audio equipment you know better microphones those, mentioning to you before we started recording, you know, about the, the SM seven, you know, that sure has said that, that has spiked, you know, a million, a million times, but you know, a ton over the last couple of weeks and it was already, you know, trending up for something that's been in the lineup for a really long time. You know, it's, it's a great microphone for that podcasting and broadcast. Um, But now people are really putting in a, um, you know, emphasis on good audio for their presentations of trying to make it the best that they can to, you know, that's their, the face of their business, you know, nowadays. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately anything with a USB jack, uh, you know, is scarce to say the least, you know, um, people snapped up a lot of that. So it's, it's been interesting having to kind of help customers cobble things together and figure out what's the best route and, educating a lot of people on interfaces and different types of mics and you know what's the advantages and disadvantages of everything so have yeah. been interesting <laughs> i think the only thing harder to
0: find right now than toilet paper or hand sanitizer are like usb headset mics <laughs> <It's>,
1: Yeah, <laughs> those are usb headset mics uh webcams yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i was looking the other day and i saw somebody was reselling you know a, a logitech crummy you know clip-on camera for your computer and it was you know marked up like 25 times over what it should yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> a little ridiculous but yeah yeah thank you uh gougers for uh doing all that to us we appreciate it all right um so let's talk a little bit about your approach towards uh mixing um and actually let's take it a, a step back so as mentioned with all of those festivals that we have in the area and i know um you and Lanya with Red Square are our major providers for a lot of the regional festivals and fairs and whatnot. When you go into a new festival or a fair um and you're you're the man for the weekend, um, can you sort of walk us through the process that you go through with setup and tuning and then getting ready for a, a variety of acts? I know, for example, at one of the festivals I've seen your stage, you've had a a two a duo of like a fiddle and you know, a vocalist and then all the way out to a full like Latin band with, you know, 15
1: percussionists or whatever. So how do you, uh, how do you go about setting up for stuff like that? A lot of it, you know, pre-planning, especially for like a festival thing, you know, it's kind of looking at, oh, hopefully you've got writers, which, you know, we, we know sometimes that happens, sometimes that doesn't. So kind of accommodating and, and really setting up the stage. Um, Of doing like a festival patch of okay you know like i'll typically have a you know an upstage and a downstage snake that's broken up into okay you know if i'm going to have a guitarist on the left guitarist on the right you know multiply that um so i do a lot of of prep up front of kind of having that already laid out on my console the way that i like you know um, my workflow to be so typically you know i'm starting with drums moving into like bass or rhythm uh type of products then getting into um other instruments whether you know, you know strings or guitars things like that um <clears throat> and then dumping into my vocals but i kind of have that all laid out as a a, a patch that i already have saved in my desk of kind of here's my standard festival patch um and then we're labeling a lot of all that up front so you know it might just be a ton of xlr's out on the deck that are all coiled up labeled ready to go so if you do have that random guest that's jumping on you know oh hey this you know the fiddle player from xyz band is going to join this band for a, a, another set you know you can quickly plug in and, and really get up and running yeah um it's so a lot of it's you know it's, it's planned to the best you can um and and hope that you've got a good stage manager that's keeping everyone on on track yeah
0: so when you, um, when you arrive, I know you guys fly a lot of, um, well, it was QSC wide line. I, I think you still are flying some of that stuff. Are you, um, yeah. how are you tuning those rigs? Are you using smart? What are you doing when you when, after everything's flown and you're, you're set up and then, you know, you start trying to tune, what are you, what are you doing and what are you looking for and listening to?
1: Yeah. A lot of it, uh, you know, we are using the wide line rig. Um, you know, we've got a lot of kind of a bass tuning set up in our amplifiers that's doing, you know, some of the kind of the the general shaping. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, I'm using smart typically to tune. Um if there's time, you know, sometimes unfortunately it's a run and gun type thing. So it's it's doing the best of of listening and knowing your PA um and just really getting in there with a lot of I've got a, a good handful of tracks that I use as my kind of my system tuning tracks listening for different things of you know low end detail harshness you know things like that That you can kind of quickly at least um do some things by ear to get in the ballpark if you need to be up up and quick but a lot of times i i still do that by ear and then get out smart and really kind of dive into it and look what i've done you know you know is this is this helping or is this hurting kind of kind of thing so um,
0: yeah that's that's a great point. Um, I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to but we were talking about you know setting up your your response so that it's so flat and sometimes that can hurt you or other times you're looking at the data to a fault and when you step back and you actually then start critically listening, even though it looks really awesome on on your measurement tools it doesn't really sound that good sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I say, I say this always, you know, with, with, uh, RTA overlays on, on parametric EQs, um, the, to the wonderful young kids out there, don't mix with your eyes, mix with your ears. Um, you know, a lot of times when I'm EQing and, and stuff like that, or same with system tuning, I'll close my eyes and grab a knob, you know, and, and sweep or, you know, do whatever, you know, to kind of tune and and really listen, like, is it appealing to you, (laughs) you know, um, your ears are your best, best tool, um, you know, and I would agree. Yeah. Sometimes it just looks wrong or sometimes you're trying to do the, the, the technical thing and smart and yes, it's technically the right thing, but sometimes it, yeah, it just doesn't sound good, (laughs) you know? So I would say, you you know, use your ears, listen, if it, if it sounds bad, it it sounds bad, (laughs) you know, and just make the changes appropriately. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. Um,
0: I, it was really interesting when I was out with Steel Panther. Nick Rucker, their front of house guy, he he uses a thirty-one band EQ on everything, and he would for his reference track, he would start at thirty-one, or whatever the yeah thirty-one, and you know run the slider plus twelve, minus twelve, and then find a good spot, and then he'd go to you know forty, and then plus twelve, minus twelve, find a good spot, and at the end of the at the end of the check, you know his EQ sometimes looked really funky the room sounded really awesome after he got done and I sort of marveled at that approach. I'd never saw that done before. And I tried, I tried it, but I wasn't as successful as he was.
1: Yeah. Trial and error. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot. What is, if you had a very small MP3 player that could only hold one song and you had to tune a system with it, what, what would you
1: take? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, one song, i hate to sound cliche but tower of power digging on james brown is probably my one track that i tend to go to it's got a lot of good low-end energy that's super tight good response but it's you know it's got horns it's got you know it's, it's got a wide range of of stuff going on there and that's that's one that i always kind of that's my my first track that i let out of the gate and and up up with so oh that's that's that that. was my uh, according to my spotify playlist and uh you know my look of my previous years it's been on my number one track played so wow (laughs) well
0: that also just reiterates how many festivals and events there are going you know that are taking place in madison if that's always your number one on your your playback (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly That's cool. Um, all right. So you, you get the system tuned, you've, you've got the deck set up, uh, first act hits the stage. It's a, it's a festival weekend. Everybody's playing for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Let's say, what are you really listening to right out of the gate? And a lot of times, you know, you're not, you've not worked with the artist before. <clears throat> what are you, what are you really focused on? Where are you critically listening And and what are you trying to
1: accomplish in those first couple of songs? Um, first and foremost I always focus on on the vocals uh, up front because obviously I mean well if if it's a band that is <laughs> singer you know like that that's kind of where I'm focusing you know because it's it always sucks to go to a show and just you can't understand the vocals or can't understand anything that's going on um so I always try and make sure at least the vocals are out front um, and maybe almost, a little too hot you know in, in some things you know of, of get that there you can understand what's going on um a lot of times after that i'm i'm kind of going back to the drums you know and making sure that my drums are really good because that you know that's the glue you know so i kind of work up through you know kind of my normal channel layout of you know making sure drums and bass are sounding good and kind of locked in and then um, depending on what type of music you know obviously that can can change you know if it's bluegrass you know typically i'm starting with you know the you know the mandolin you know that's that's the the you know the core uh you know the core instrument but kind of depends on on what the music is but vocals are always a big one for me of of making sure that that's there and you can understand what's going on right out of the gate um, do you have
0: any favorite vocal tricks that you like to apply in your in your mix setup
1: um not anything too crazy. Um, it depends on the vocals, you know, I, obviously I use a lot of sure microphones and things like that. So I've got, you know, kind of my base EQ that I normally do. Um, a couple of years ago I started using, uh, shelves on my, uh, high frequency, you know, after talking with an engineer that was at a festival and I was like, oh, I really dig, you know, it's kind of one of those look over their shoulder and it's like, Oh, that's interesting how you're, you're doing that. Um, and that's you know getting a lot of that airiness and that upper stuff um which i hadn't really kind of thought about before you know so i've been doing a lot of studying a lot of watching of, of videos and stuff and, and kind of trying to dial in the mixes a lot better um but yeah vocals you know really a lot of EQ. i mean nothing's too crazy you know i'm not a huge um ton of compression on vocals I like it to be pretty dynamic so I'm using compression um, tastefully I guess I would say but I've also been you know depending on the band and stuff like that but you know I've, I've been doing a lot of um, busing for background vocals and things like that so typically running that to a separate group and then you know doing some compression to have the the background vocals pop out of the mix a little bit after we get the lead singer kind of up and running. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Are you, um, speaking of videos, I think everybody and their brother has been watching uh, pooch <laughs> and yeah. his, uh, his introducing or not introducing, but reinforcing the, the, uh, theory around parallel compression. Are you doing any type of parallel compressing on instruments or vocals or anything like that?
1: Yeah. In instruments. I typically am running a, um, I, I normally run like a drum bus group, um, for my drums. Um, guitars also um depending on what type of music it is um a lot of times I'm I'm doing that I, you know I've also got some tricks for some more effects you know of, of doubling or sometimes tripling guitars um the joys of digital consoles nowadays you can kind of experiment and, <laughs> and have fun yeah. um so yeah a lot of times you know it's it's drums are a big uh bus compression for me background vocals um guitar sometimes and then sometimes i'm doing some parallel compression on um lead vocals but it kind of depends on what's what the band is and how i'm feeling
0: <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into some d live nerdum nerd dumb yep. here uh because <laughs> i'm a nerd and dumb but the uh, n-e-r-d-o-m um are you using parallel path within the D live for your compression or are you actually creating two groups, squashing one and, and leaving the other dry?
1: Yeah, normally, well, both, um, kind of depends on what I'm doing. Um, I, I am using the parallel path, uh, in the compressor. A lot of times if I am, if I'm not doing a separate, um, group for the processing, but for like drums and things like that, yeah, I'm typically creating its own group. Um, and then doing, yeah, kind of like a smash channel. Um, I recently picked up, uh, on, I think it was on MXU. They had done a cool thing about talking about, uh, base, uh, you know, double micing the base and kind of treating some of the upper end versus the lower end and, um, then busting it into a, a group, but, you know, kind of getting that top end to have a little bit of dirt to it and stuff. So I've, I've been kind of messing around and, that's, you know, that's one thing I always say, you know, you may not agree with everyone's philosophy on setting it up, but try it. See what works, see what doesn't. I mean, it's that's half the fun in audio engineering for me because I've had some wild stories of things that, you know, shouldn't work or, you know, just experimentation and and that's the sound that you want you know yeah look at the beatles you know (laughs) stuff they did wasn't necessarily the correct way of doing it but it accomplished what they wanted it to to do so
0: yeah uh, that's that's an outstanding point i think i can think you know not too far back the notion of using like 3k or 8k in a kick drum you know for emphasis that was reserved for sort of like you know metalcore or you know certain very very specific genres now yeah. you see it almost everywhere you know it, it just works so people adopted it even though it wasn't like normal yep yeah um i apologize for jumping around here topic to topic but let's go back to being a manufacturer's uh rep <laughs> and working with audio yeah. biz so you um i i yeah i met you when i got interested in d live and you arranged a demo of the d live for me at full compass um what are some of the other things that you do? I know you, you meet with customers and things like that, but as far as like training and education, I know you work with Blizzard, uh, QSC, a bunch of other brands. What's a what's something that you really enjoy doing as a manufacturer's rep when it comes to um, dealing with a, a, a new prospective buyer or a product?
1: Well. You know, it's, it's always fun talking about the gear, but I also like to talk about what you can accomplish with the gear. Um, you know, whether it's you're doing a, a video wall demo, you know, and it's like, yeah, I can display an image on there. But, you know, have you thought about breaking it up into a set piece or doing, you know, helping people conceptualize things, I think, has been awesome always kind of a fun part because again it's you know you pick up stuff talking with other you know other production companies or other integrators or things like that and everyone has their bag of bag of tricks you know um and it's it's cool to learn what other people are doing and and kind of impart that knowledge you know especially with like audio consoles and stuff when i'm doing d live demos or sq or whatever um you know we're doing a lot of house worship and things like that where people you know maybe coming from the analog world and aren't used to effects and things like that and or you know having dynamics on every channel you know it's it's amazing um when you show people what that can do that's that's one thing i always really like that that aha moment you know especially like on an audio console of like okay let's listen to this you know church praise band that's singing here and here's how you can use some effects and some compression and people are just like blown away you know that um you know wow a couple tweaks of knob you know and it can make a total difference so it's i like the stuff behind the curtain sometimes more than the the actual product i mean i'm pretty geeky on all the products that we deal with um kind of like a rain man you know in that aspect of i know like a million part numbers and you know a lot of weird asinine Stats about gear, but um I think, yeah, just kind of showing people how it can how it can improve what they're doing, whether it's you know video or lighting or you know audio. it's kind of that how to make it grow, I yeah. guess I would say
0: <laughs> well i will I will share another personal story. I remember sitting at a bar with you at lunch when I first got my d live uh, and I <laughs> took director on my iPad or whatever uh, we sat at the bar at lunch and you were showing me how to do all these things and I had my first big show on the D live that weekend. And of course, you know, I get to the venue, I get set up, everything's great. And then all of a sudden I, I pushed something, you know, that I didn't realize I had done wrong. And so in the middle of the show, I'm texting you like, dude, you know, this isn't working. What do I do? And and you responded, it was like 1130 at night and I was amazed that you responded. And then you told me you were mixing your own show somewhere else. <laughs> you yep. you're still providing support. <laughs>
1: me. that's I, it's, it's amazing the amount of calls that i get from you know the sunday at 7 a.m oh crap we did this you know or you know the the shows you know i i love you know it's actually kind of funny we had a desk go out recently with um an engineer up in wisconsin that uh does front of house for dennis DeYoung young and uh he was taking a c3500 out for a thing and yeah, the first show he texted me his couple questions and I was like, Ah, oh, it just so happens that I'm standing in front of a desk mixing a show. So it's kind of fun. We were trading back text pictures of, of the venues and what was going on. So I think we did the uh, same
0: same thing when I was asking you for help. You you sh- sent me a picture because I said something like, Why are you up at, you know, eleven thirty? And you yeah. sent me a picture from behind the console and I was like, Oh, well, here's my view. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Your view was a little better. I think I was in a really crummy dive bar at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So I know you're also, I mentioned Blizzard a couple of times, and this is really primarily an audio uh, and mixing podcast, but um, people may not also be aware. Blizzard's headquarters is located just down the road uh, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, What do you like best about the Blizzard guys? They seem like a lot of fun.
1: Oh, they are... a ton of fun um you know it's it's they're a group that's super creative which i I really like about them you know it's a relatively young company but um you know they're not well you're not uh, afraid to take chances on on things and and take input and stuff which is really cool you know it's it's kind of funny too how they got started you know of of will the the owner He was a lawyer, you know, a tax lawyer (laughs) that, you know, did audio and stuff during college and and, and, uh, unfortunately got uh, laid off during the um, 08 recession and was like, all right, I'm going to start selling lights, you know, and totally switched his career path to to doing that. And that's the cool thing. You know, it's been a company that, you know, when we first got the line, I had actually been referred by another production company that I work with. Uh, Magic Productions had referred me there like you should you should talk to these guys and, and you know they were working out of a tiny little warehouse and now they're in this massive you know massive warehouse in Waukesha and you know bringing more things in and doing video walls and kind of really expanding so it's been awesome to really see over the last I don't know, six seven years that you know they've been around how they how rapidly they've grown so it's crazy it's kind of a fun one
0: crazy to think they've only been around you know for that short of amount of time uh, and then I also you guys uh, audio biz and you work with sure obviously in blizzard but you've hosted a couple of classes out of the blizzard headquarters and um that is an, an awesome impressive facility they've got like a game room lounge type yeah.
1: thing <laughs> uh, yep they've got a big game room a lounge a bar they now have it's got a giant video wall in it and you know they they like to have fun which is cool oh well, that's
0: that's obvious especially because they have that that uh beer or i think it's a faux faux beer uh crusty roadie or something like that yeah
1: the crusty roadie beer um which has always been kind of a fun one um yeah that was actually an april fool's joke that grew some legs (laughs) the label is amazing
0: because it's
1: it's like a
0: it looks like a heineken style label almost and around the edge of it it says every bottle tells a story that you don't want to hear
1: yep they've got the uh uh, black t-shirt porter the extra bitter ale and uh lost limelight lager you know are the three flavors so they're they're kind of fun ones
0: uh people can't see but i'm i literally had to mute my mic and i was off mic because i was laughing i wasn't aware of any of those yes that's awesome are they actually beverages or are they just uh just concepts at this point
1: uh it was actually originally just a joke and we uh had put labels on some you know just regular like miller lite or something like that for a, a trade trip they ended up getting a brewery to uh in in Milwaukee to actually uh, brew them for them so they are actual real beer <laughs> oh that's
0: fantastic <laughs> um so let's run through the card a little bit here too because i'm i'm also really interested in link um you have shown me a lot of really cool things from link um over the years but um you know i think they're based out of italy
1: and they uh yeah the cool thing about them um they started out in italy um marco the uh, the guy who founded the company was uh, you know live sound guy like we all are um that got into doing a lot of cool hybrid stuff. And that's, that's really where link shines is they've been doing a lot of these hybrid things. Um, and really it's kind of changing how people are running audio and, and by hybrid, what I mean is, you know, um, signal and power or, you know, multiple different formats of signal. Um, you know, so a lot of it is born out of ease of, ease of use and, and speeding up your workflow. You know, like there's, there's a, um, a, a cable that we've got uh that's a you know it's a hybrid cable that has two aes lines um two gigabit cat six and then power um all under a single jacket um so when they were developing that that i had worked with them and they were like well how would you use this so we act we have what jokingly is called the sean's box um so you know we've got that set up because i was like you know a lot of shows i'm running a, you know, an Ethernet for audio. I'm running another Ethernet that I'm using for lighting um, or DMX lines. I'm running an extension cord out the front of house, you know. So you've got all these cables that you're walking back and forth with. So they're like, well, let's put it all under one jacket and put it into a mass connector. And um, that's kind of grown, you know, there's kind of a couple different options. There's the, you know, that smaller one, and then there's a, a larger one that's going to get into um, five cat six cables and 30 amp power for front of house. Um, and then even fiber options, you know, and each of those kind of grow because the cool thing that they're really doing, pushing a lot is, you know, with the um, category cable, you're able to use that because of the impedance and the way that it's, it's twisted. You know, I can use that for a DMX line. I can use it for an AES line. I can use it for Dante. I can use it for gig Ace protocol, ArtNet, you know, kind of whatever you want. Or I can even break it out and have four analog lines. Um, you know, so it makes it super flexible. Like the five cat um, box, they you know they did some front of house boxes for sound image that you know some of them were used as network lines. There's also breakout boxes on there um, within the, the the front of house box to be able to have analog tie lines for uh, comms and things like that. So it's adding a lot of flexibility um, there and trying to speed up uh, workflow. You know we've done a, a couple projects with um, some audio companies for large um, acoustics, you know, line arrays and um, you know, previously you were always running, you know, smaller runs of multi-pair cable up. And sometimes in a, in an array, you would have four or five, you know, falls of cable coming down. So the idea was well, it's, Run it into a fifty six pair single cable and break out in the array. So you know again, speeding up that time, it's a single cable, it's a nice look, but then you're breaking it out on the array. and um, you know a lot of what they've done is you know as um, people start working with them of like, oh well, hey, here we're now doing this with the fifty six pair. Well, can we add a couple lines for um, telemetry for inclinometers and stuff for aiming the array? And yeah, sure, you know um. Or like the fiber you know hybrid one a lot of guys were like the fiber is really great we're breaking it out and doing all this stuff but how do we get our comm lines down so we added a piece of copper in that cable you know to be able to have comm lines you know so a lot of it it, it's born out of what people are looking for um you know and they've been able to kind of keep a lot of the, the cutting edge stuff and um you know they've been around for i can't remember even remember it's the 30 plus years um they've been in the marketplace and they originally started making lk connectors which was their mass connectors um because back in when marco started you know veem and some of the other companies that were out there were using adapting connectors that were used for military applications into audio applications and They weren't necessarily the most rugged. I mean, they were rugged, but sometimes they were a pain in the butt to line up. And you've got other philosophies with some of the other different styles. So that was kind of what drove a lot of the design was larger pins, making it easier to connect, um, making sure that things are, are rugged. So they actually started in that arena um, and they've got offices actually in Madison, you know, kind of, kind of the funny thing, keep on going back to Madison, but um, their U S headquarters is actually in Middleton, um, Wisconsin. So um, they've got people here. They've got people over in uh, Rome is their, you know, big headquarters. So it's, it's a really fun company to work with because it it is, it's, uh, you know, it's so fluid and there's always new things coming up, you know, RJ, one of their head designers is a mad scientist of sorts, you know, of yeah, we can make that happen. <laughs> you know, like, let's, here's a way to, here's a way to do it. So. Wow. Have you uh, made it out to the headquarters in Italy? I actually went over to Rome two years ago um, and we were going to go to the headquarters. they were actually having a, they're going to do a, a rep summit type thing but then they actually just bought a brand new building and we remodeling so i didn't get to actually see any of the italy operations when i was over there but um, oh bummer it was kind of cool they have a, a trade show that we went to um in rimini um and it's a a more focused on the entertainment you know like live sound um but it's really cool they have these multiple halls and in each hall they have um stages. So like some of these rooms would have two or three stages in there with full PA, full lighting, full infrastructure. And um, they would have the same band perform on each stage. So you could hear just the different audio quality of you know the line rays or you know whatever. Oh, wow. And then they would do that on the hour, you know, and then the odd hours they would typically have like a, a programmed light show and video presentation of, you know, what the line arrays are hanging and what the infrastructure is and, you know, what consoles running it and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, to really, you know, there's, you, you go to LDI or some of these shows and there's one or two stages, but this show had like nine stages of like every ma- major thing to be able to hear it all in one place. Is, it's kind of cool. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I really wanted to try to highlight that because I w I've been impressed with all the link stuff that you've demonstrated or shown to me. And I figured that people may not be super familiar with it. Um, coincidentally, I've had Eric Rogers on from, uh, Godsmack and St. Estonia, St. Asonia. Um, he was telling me that the, the European Godsmack rig is all link interfaces, so he was yeah. well aware of them, uh, which was really
1: cool. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, it's a fun company. I, I enjoyed repping them. And uh, again, they're also kind of a small tight knit crew here in the U S so it's, it's fun to, to really get in and work with them on a, you know, a development process of, you know, helping as they're developing products, you know, yeah. bounce things off of them. So it's, I like it's that cool. they, I like that they have the Sean box. <laughs> the Sean's box. Yeah. So I was joking that we need to like, I need to sign it and they should engrave that in every box or something, but you know, That hasn't happened yet (laughs) soon. Maybe, maybe someday soon. Someday. Uh, okay.
0: Well, uh, we're coming up near time here. Um, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know between demos and education and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, get information out to everybody. I know you're busy, so this was really fun to talk to you about the different products and your approaches with festivals. Um, if people would like to follow you online or check out anything you're doing, are there any links or anything that you'd like to point them to?
1: Oh, geez. I don't even know all my hand. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm on the Twitters and the Facebook and, you know, yeah. Instagram, but you know, frankly, I got to re I got to remember what my, uh, my, my things are. I'll take you off the spot. We'll, we'll put those in the show
0: notes. I'll get them from you after. Yeah, that, done. we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, anything you're super excited about that's coming down the horizon that uh, you might be able to give a sneak peek about?
1: Uh, there's some cool things coming out from sure that, uh, you know, in this fine uh, industry, you know, on the, on the higher end stuff, that's uh, I've seen some inklings of that I'm pretty excited about. And I've heard some uh, rumors on some of the new things that are going to be coming to DLI with firmware that uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, getting my hands on and I love how that desk keeps on evolving every time they push firmware and bam there's a whole bunch of new <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> new features so
0: yeah I was talking to Bangs the other day about that and just the the foresight that they've had to build all of that extra capacity or capability into the board you know so that it's what three years old, four years old now. And it's still like just scratching the surface of what it's capable of.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. They've, they've uh, definitely done well with that desk and this kind of current era of digital consoles, whether it's the, the D live or the SQ or the new Avantis, you know, it's been, uh, they've developed a platform, I guess you would say that, you know, is working really well and you know, we've been winning a lot of people over. I've I've got a desk with a, friend of mine in Chicago right now that was locked up and he's like, Hey, do you have a desk that I can play with? I'm like, sure. You know, and he's a diehard Digico guy and he's like, Oh, this is a pretty impressive desk. So it's, uh, you know, just got to do those demos and get it out in people's hands. So, yeah, yeah, I was going to say hopefully when you're back on the road you'll be able to expose, you know, some more people to your your new D-Live so. I'll uh I'll be happy for
0: that because on the previous tour I was on a Midas uh M32 and which I always thought was a decent desk but after having mixed on the D-Live and then going back to the M32 it was like going from a a Ferrari to like a a Ford Escort, you know. You're just, <laughs> I dated myself by saying Ford escort, but yeah well, <laughs> people yeah. get the get the point and there's nothing wrong with the Midas board like it's a great board, but once you're in the d live and it handles all of your time alignment and the onboard effects are so awesome and you can move anything anywhere you want to uh so easily and oh, I need a duplicate of this input channel. you can replicate it fifteen times across the board if you want to and it it does not care um yeah, you know just that stuff is. It's so awesome. But yeah, I'll stop being a commercial for Madison. i stop <laughs> advertising for Alan and Ethan. We'll, uh, we'll call it good. So, uh, Sean, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, hopefully people learned a little something uh, from the show that they might not have known otherwise. We'll get your links up uh, on the show notes. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll see you soon and it won't be over Zoom.
1: Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. And that's a wrap on today's show. I hope that you found it
0: equal parts entertaining and informative. This show is recorded on an Allen & Heath DLive system with Shure microphones and Waves tracks live. I use Skype, FaceTime, and Facebook Messenger to meet with my guests, so the occasional robot voice is to be expected. Thanks again to Merrick Goodwin for the awesome show music and to you for listening. Be sure to visit the Mixmasters website at www.mixmasterspodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Mixmasters can also be found on Facebook and Instagram at Mixmasters Podcast. That's all one word. Give a like, follow us, and never miss out on new episodes.